The following program does not necessarily represent the views and opinions of Reality Radio 101, its advertisers and sponsors, or its listening audience. Listener discretion is advised. Hi everyone, this is Susan Poisner, host of the Urban Forestry Radio Show. Before we start the show, I wanted to tell you that we've launched a new quiz app that you can use on your computer or on your mobile device. The app is called Tree Quiz, and by doing the quizzes, you can find out how much you know about fruit trees, and you'll learn lots in the process. To find out how to download the app, go to orchardpeople.com app. That's A-P-P. So that's orchardpeople.com app. Enjoy it, and enjoy today's show. Welcome to the Urban Forestry Radio Show, here on Reality Radio 101. In this radio show and podcast, we learn about fruit trees, permaculture, arboriculture, and so much more. So if you love trees, and especially fruit trees, or if you're interested in living a more sustainable life, then this is the place for you. I'm your host, Susan Poisner of the Fruit Tree Care Training website, orchardpeople.com. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Urban Forestry Radio Show with your host, Susan Poisner. To contact Susan live right now, send her an email in studio101 at gmail.com. And now, right to your host of the Urban Forestry Radio Show, Susan Poisner. Hi, everyone. So, if you have a fruit tree, it's inevitable that you're going to run into some pest and disease problems at some point. And those problems can result in a really disappointing harvest, harvest and sometimes a really messy and unhappy-looking tree. But if you have lots of fruit trees and you're selling the fruit for a living, well, then these pest and disease problems can be a total disaster. So it's easy to understand why, in years past, growers opted to use lots of sprays to protect their trees, even if those sprays might be damaging to the environment and to people's health. Well, things have changed for orchardists and for home growers, and that's because of a practice called integrated pest management. Organic growers use it, conventional growers use it, and guess what? You can use it too, if you learn a little bit more about it. So that's why I have a really amazing guest on the show today. Her name is Christy Grigg McGuffin, and she's an expert in integrated pest management here in Ontario. She works for the Ontario Ministry for Agriculture, Food, and Rural Affairs, and she's in the studio with me today. So during the this, this show, Christy's going to teach us a lot about integrated pest management. But here's my question. How much are you going to remember after the show? Lots, hopefully, if you download our new quiz app at orchardpeople.com slash app, A-P-P. So the quiz for this program is already online. You can take it while you listen into the show today. So just go to the website and follow the instructions. And when you take any of the quizzes, you could win $250 worth of fruit tree care training from orchardpeople.com. So check it out. So now, integrated pest management. It sounds fancy. It sounds like something you have to go to university to study. So how can IPM principles help you in growing your fruit trees and your plants? So let's find out from Christy Grigg-McGuffin of OMAFRA. 
Christy, thank you for coming to the studio today. Thanks for having me and excited to be here. Yay. So tell me a little bit about integrated pest uh, management. What's what's the history? When did it all start? So so it's actually, it's been around for quite some time because, I mean, we're talking kind of 1950s, is around the time people starting to think about uh, how their practices are impacting environment, how things should be changing and really working with the cropping system. The big change happened with Rachel Carlson's Silent Spring. That kind of started the conversations, um, got people really getting the ball rolling with that. So by about the early 80s in Canada, fruit trees, talking specifically with fruit trees, most growers were starting to integrate some sort of um, IPM practice, uh, kind of the early stages with it. And it's been just evolving since then. I mean, it's a constant changing practice new ideas, new technologies coming in and really changing the scene. Um, But it really started quite some time ago. So tell me about the book, The Silent Springs. What was that story? So so she kind of proposed the idea of... um, our impact on the environment and and what our kind of that that ecological footprint idea and how our actions in particular things like with agricultural practices how that's going to affect us long term so i mean at that time ddt was a big conversation piece um so that really kind of um you know she focused a lot on the agriculture side of things and the impacts that it can have long term so okay you mentioned ddt mm-hmm. now she wrote this you said in the 50s no. uh, hers was in the 60s. So this was in the 60s. Isn't DDT something very, very... Tell me about DDT. (laughs) And was this used on our fruit trees? Uh, It in ages ago it was some time ago it was um and that's kind of across the board that was kind of the early insecticides that were used and i mean if you if you google some pictures there's some pretty amazing fruit tree pictures um set back a, a few years i mean we're talking before the 1950s right um of of ddt being used and what um, isn't it isn't it like um you know a chemical that's used in warfare no it it is and so that and that was used it, but it, they did find that during that time they found that it did have um, insecticidal properties. So it so not only found... kills people, it kills <laughs> but insects as well. Awesome. Oh my gosh. <laughs> So, oh so gosh. yeah, so they started to incorporate it. But um, but like I said, that with time, then the research came out, right? Um, and more and more as, as science progressed um, and their ability to really see the sort of impacts that chemicals can have on certain certain um, animals, ourselves as well, and the long-term impacts, um, then, then things started to change quickly with that. Wow. Okay. So you talk about integrated pest management as this thing that starts and then starts to change with time. Tell mm-hmm. me a little bit, what was it? like in the beginning? In the beginning, a lot was just kind of focused on um, how do we understand? We know that there are pests. What are they? Is basically what they're approaching. And so how can we start to study the biology and behavior, um, seeing if there's ways that they can reduce the number of sprays that they're putting on? So before, what uh, what a lot of commercial growers did was what was referred to as calendar sprays. So basically, it's June 15th, I go in and spray. So regardless of what it's like, what regardless of what the season's been like, if the pest is present, it was just to go in and do. So with this introduction of integrated pest management, then it was starting to look at, let's actually start to understand the pest. Let's start to understand how it works in an agroecosystem and how we can start to adjust our spray programs uh, to account for that. So there was then a significant reduction in the number of sprays. And then from there, it just kind of snowballed. So it went from monitoring to starting to, to incorporate other practices um, in terms of cultural controls, in terms of behavioral controls, all of these other aspects of IPM that can start coming in as a way of reducing the number of chemicals that we're actually putting on. So with regards to integrated pest management and who uses it, is it only used in conventional orchards or can organic uh, growers use it as well? Yeah, yeah. No, it can be used across the board. So the idea of IPM is making use of as many control tactics as possible. So that's using cultural, biological, behavioral, mechanical, uh, physical, as well as chemical. So in terms of organic versus conventional, that really the difference is really only in terms of what products are being applied, if there's chemicals being used. So, I mean, common misconception, organic does not mean no spray. It just means it can sometimes be 
different sprays than what's used in conventional orchards, but it means that across the board, whether a grower is organic or conventional, they use a multitude of other tactics as well. So everything comes into play, whether you're organic or conventional. It's funny because when I first heard about integrated pest management, it really did sound like a fancy thing to me. Like, it's just <laughs> like, this is too fancy for me. I'll just kind of look for the basics. But um, is it true that that everybody can use it? You don't have to have your PhD in entomology or, you know, whatever in order to practice. Absolutely. It's really just the willingness to learn. It's the wanting to look for resources, which are everywhere and, and anywhere for you to find them, uh, and learning about what you've got. Because, I, again, the basic of, basis of IPM is really just understanding the pests that you're working with. And so anyone is able to do that so long as they've, you know, done their research, they they have the resources available to them, and, uh, and the enthusiasm to learn about it. I got to tell you, Christy, that the way that things developed for me was I started with, you know, I was a gardener and I was new organic gardening, but I knew nothing about fruit trees. And I'm planting this community orchard in Toronto and making all these mistakes. And I started to think, oh, my God, there's 10 million insect pests. How will I learn them all? And there's 10 million diseases. But what I discovered was that's not the case. No. I think on, you know, one or two hands, I can list the key diseases that you'll see in most of the conventional fruit trees. I put this all in my training that I teach online and in my classes. I can I can tell you some of the key insects to yes. look out for. And so, you know, just for people listening that, you know, if this sounds overwhelming, you know, it took me five years to do it by trial and error, but there are resources out there. Mm-hmm that people can take a course and can learn, and then you are empowered. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and there's, again, like you said, that there's there are, you know, the set few that you can basically predict. You know the time of year, you know the growth stage that you're at, you can predict what sort of pests you're likely going to see. There is the odd chance that there's the one-off something that's new come up, but there's easy ways to be able to get that diagnosed um, to see what there is. But in general, yes, I absolutely agree that it's really quite um, quite basic in terms of, if you grow an apple tree, you're probably going to see this, this, and this at this time, right? Exactly. So let's let's use an example here. Um, so for example, you know, life cycles and a pest and, you know, whether it's using some sort of a garden sulfur spray, oh, mm-hmm. that's more disease, but let's <laughs> say, um, you know, why does the life cycle matter? Why is it important when you're thinking of uh, whether you're spraying your trees or putting up traps and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, so so let's use something like um, San Jose scale. Is that an okay yeah, scale. example? Okay, perfect. Um, so, and do you want to describe it to people? What does scale look like scale, on apple trees? Scale is a very difficult pest to try and actually see. It's a very, very tiny pest. What you will see on apples, um, the San Jose, San Jose scale in particular, um, causes these red halos to form on the fruit. Um, really common on, on yellow-skinned fruit. You can really see it very easily, but it doesn't mean that it's limited to just that. Um, but the adults themselves coat the fruit, the leaves, the bark, you name it, on the tree. And with time, with a few years, if that population's unmanaged, it can really take down the tree quite quickly. Oh, wow. Uh, but in terms of how IPM can work with that, in terms of um, you know figuring out the timings for controls, the ideal times, so they overwinter as immature scale. And so they don't have, the insect themselves is a really soft body insect, but the interesting thing about it is that it forms this waxy covering over top, which protects it from any sort of sprays or anything that might um, might re- reduce the livelihood of them. And so um, as they're imma- overwintering as that immature scale, then that shell isn't completely formed. So if you're going in with a dormant oil spray, which works for suffocation, that's coating right over top of the scale. As they're starting to mature, their respiration rate is increasing. And so you're getting that suffocation happening. If you were to wait and put that on later on in the season, say just before bloom, they've already matured. So they start as soon as the sap starts to flow. They've already matured and you've got that thick waxy covering. So putting on the oil really isn't going to do much for them. So then in terms of monitoring for them, well, once that shell is on, they're there. They're not going anywhere. The thing is, is that the females actually produce live young. And so those crawlers are the things that are going to start moving across the tree, going to the fruit, going to new parts on the branches, just spreading out. And so having things like sticky tape 
on the trees to monitor for that crawler movement so that you know when you can start doing your next sort of control option. So say if you were going to do summer oils, you'd wanting, you're wanting to be targeting those crawler stages. And so having that tape there, you're starting to look and see when those crawlers are actually active. It's amazing. So basically what we're doing is we're making friends with these insects. We're Absolutely. kind of getting to know them like yep. you're getting to know a neighbor. Completely. What are their habits? When do they leave the house? When do they go to work? <laughs> you know, when do they throw their trash on your front lawn? Right. So that we can stop them before they throw the trash and yep, say, completely. oh, Bob, you know what? This is my front lawn. Please don't throw your trash here. You're okay with else, that? Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why don't you go to the other neighbor on the other side? So I love that. It's it's basically coming from this fog of I don't really know what to do into the specifics of, okay, so maybe San Jose scale is a problem in my community. Maybe that's one of them that I want to learn about. Mm-hmm. So, and we'll talk about a few more specifics uh, in a bit. One thing that I've noticed, um, I took a class with you that I really enjoyed. I was so happy that you could come to that. Oh, my God. It was such a great class. Christy's a great teacher. And uh, it was lots of fun, and I learned a lot. But what was this class? It was teaching young people, mostly, how to be integrated pest management scouts. Scouts. Yeah, yeah. So we kind of started it originally as specifically for scouts, but it's surprising how much it's grown. And so we get a really nice mix. We It's um, growers, um, consultants. It's really kind of open-ended. Anybody is welcome to come. And bonus, it's free. So it's perfect for public as well. And it's just a nice chance to, um, to learn about the pest complex of apples. Now, that's not the only course that's offered that's just the one that I teach but we do cover practically all horticulture crops um, and again focusing specifically on IPM training with it. So so here's what struck me and by the way in lots of communities we are in Ontario but in lots of communities there is support and we'll talk about that later in the show and there is training out there if you can find it but here's what struck me they were young people Mm -hmm. these are people who aren't even necessarily studying you know the plant sciences yeah And they were able to, in a day, be empowered enough to then go out and spend their days. Their summer job will be looking at orchards. Tell me a little bit about what that's going to look like for them and what kind of preparation they need in order to do that. Yeah. So, yeah. So IPM Scouts is a great opportunity for a summer student. So it's usually high school, university students, um, whether it's companies that hire them out or individual growers or groups of growers um, or researchers such as myself, then we would hire summer students to do the IPM training. So, I think the key for them is to understand that they are they don't have to be an expert, that nobody in this field is an expert with it, and you don't have to know everything. You just have to know where to look for it if you need answers. And so for them, it's just a matter of introducing them to um, to what is around, what they're likely going to see, and kind of give the resources at that point. And then for them, it's knowing who to, who can they contact for questions, or what books can they read, or where can they look online to try and find exactly what they're wanting. So I just want to remind the listeners, we'd love to have your questions, and we're going to get into all sorts of nitty-gritty details about pests and disease. So you can always email us your question to instudio101 at gmail.com. Or tell us about your experience with pests and disease in your fruit trees. Or, yeah, and just remember to put your name. And also, where are you you emailing us from? Now, here's the fun part, guys. If you want to call in, you can actually call in today, too. And you can talk to us in person and ask your questions in person. Here's the number. I'm sure it's toll-free. 1-866-905-7325. So the number is one 905 7325 Okay, so um, now the other thing that struck me when I, when I did uh, some of these IPM classes was weeds was part of the curriculum. <laughs> Why? Believe it or not, yes. Uh, pests don't just involve insect disease, uh, but we're also talking weeds and vertebrates too. So, I mean, deer, rabbit, birds... All of those are pests that that growers deal with on a regular basis. And so why not try and find alternate means to try and manage and and live with them, basically? Oh, wow. Okay, super. So why don't we take a minute? We're going to listen to a few words from our sponsors. And then we're going to delve deeper into the whole issue of integrated pest management. So again, folks, you can send your emails to instudio101 at gmail.com. 
And we can't wait to hear from you. In the meantime, here are some words from our sponsors. You're listening to the Urban Forestry Radio Show on Reality Radio 101. I'm Susan Poisner from OrchardPeople.com, and we'll be back after this short break. If you're an arborist, master gardener, or landscaper who's keen to learn fruit tree care skills, check out OrchardPeople.com's Certificate in Beginner Fruit Tree Care. Not only does our intensive online training give you the skills you need, but we'll also give you a certificate that you can use to claim continuing education credits from the International Society of Arboriculture and from other professional bodies. Learn more about continuing education at OrchardPeople.com by visiting OrchardPeople.com slash workshops. Looking for a quick, easy-to-apply, and all-natural fertilizer to use in your vegetable and flower gardens or for your fruit trees? Why not work with Mother Nature? Layer Hand Manure is a terrific fertilizer, and this is what Actisol does by transforming the manure from their egg farms into an efficient fertilizer. The manure is dried using a technology that harnesses the heat given off by the hands. No other heat source is needed. Actisol is easy to use, safe for the environment, children, and pets. You can purchase Actisol products at your local garden center or order in bulk. For more information, visit www.acti-sol.ca. Actisol, the mother hen fertilizer. If you want your fruit trees to live a long and healthy and productive life, it's essential that you water them properly when they're young. You need to water slowly and deeply so the moisture seeps into your young tree's expanding root system. That sounds easy enough, but you'd be surprised at how often the water you provide for your trees just rolls away, leaving its young roots high and dry. That's why we at TreePans.com have worked with orchards to develop a product that ensures all the water gets to your tree's root system. Our expandable tree pans funnel rain or irrigation water to the drip line of your young trees. Additionally, tree pans eliminate weed growth under the tree canopy, as well as protect your trees from mowers, tractors, and weed whips. Tree pans are used in orchards, city parks, and in residential yards. And once your young tree is established, you can move your tree pans to another young tree. Learn more about tree pans at treepans.com. The following program does not necessarily represent the views and opinions of Reality Radio 101, its advertisers and sponsors, or its listening audience. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to the Urban Forestry Radio Show with your host, Susan Poisner, right here on Reality Radio 101. To contact us live, dial 1-866-905-7325. Send us an email in studio101 at gmail.com. And now, right back to your host, Susan Poisner. You're listening to the Urban Forestry Radio Show on Reality Radio 101. I'm Susan Poisner from the Fruit Tree Care Training website, OrchardPeople.com. And in this show, we talk about fruit trees, food forests, permaculture, and arboriculture. So in today's episode, we're exploring integrated pest management and how it can help us in growing our plants and our trees. My guest in the studio is Christy Grigg-McGuffin, 
an IPM expert from the Ontario Ministry of Agriculture, Food and Rural Affairs. And Christy is in the studio with me today. So Christy specializes in IPM for apple trees. Do you grow apple trees? And do you want a head start in learning more? So Christy has brought in a prize this week, and it's a nice heavy book called IPM for Apples. She's also adding to the prize a really nice magnifying hand lens so that you can inspect your trees. So do you want to win the book and the hand lens? If so, just send us an email at instudio101 at gmail.com. Put prize in the title and tell us why you want to win it. So remember to include your first name and your location. We'll send it to you wherever you are, and we will randomly choose the name of our winner. And also, if you have a question for Christy, just send us an email in studio101 at gmail.com. Okay, Christy, tell me a little bit. We're going to talk about apples now. You've brought in this book. Tell me about the book. What kind of book is it? So this is a resource that uh, that we put out with OMAFRA. So that's our abbreviation, Ontario Ministry of Agriculture, Food and Rural Affairs. We call it OMAFRA for short. So this is publication 310, uh, and this is specifically for apples, your common insect and disease that you'll see. And in it, it goes through with pictures as well. It goes through identification, period of activity, um, what sort of thresholds, if anything, is established, any sort of management recommendations in terms of all aspects, not just chemical management. Uh, and so it's a really great resource to just be able to see what there is. It's a nice reference point. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's the, for anyone that's also interested, it is also available online too. Uh, so we've kind of converted it into a crop IPM. So if you did Ontario.ca slash crop IPM, you'll see a number of, of modules that we have and apples is one. And again, it goes through the breakdown of, of your typical insect disease that you see. Um, some mention of vertebrate pests as well in both the book as well as online. Oh, that's so handy. Mm-hmm. And so it's a $50 book, mm-hmm. um, but you can get it online. That's amazing. So talk to me about this uh, this hand lens. It looks to me like a little tiny jeweler's it's lens. It's a little tiny. It is actually a jewel, often jeweler's lens. So this is uh, as this is actually um, from a pest company. So if I don't mean to plug it, but Salida is a great pest company. If anyone's looking for it, wonderful uh, monitoring supplies. So if you're looking for anything in terms of traps or anything like that, IPM related, then it's a great uh, local resource based in Quebec. But um, but anyway, so this hand lens, I can't stress enough that one of the best tools to have for IPM is a hand lens. Why? Pests are small. <laughs> they're not. They're not just the ones that we can see with our naked eye. Um, so, using a hand lens to get up and close to the leaf, to the fruit, to the bark of the tree, really helps to give you a good picture of what you're dealing with. So, I mean, if you start to see a leaf turning brown, it doesn't necessarily mean that there's a nutrient or that there's some sort of disease that's impacting it. If you got close with that hand lens and you started looking for mites or you started to look for any sort of other small insect, um, then you get a better idea of how you should be approaching the management. So a hand lens is definitely something to always have in your pocket when you're going to the fruit tree. So how many times a week uh, should we be looking at our trees and inspecting them? So or how many times a month? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, so I, IPM, it, it's, it does take a lot of commitment. Um, in order to get a really good idea of what's going on in your orchard, it's recommended once or twice a week to really see how things change. Because depending on what's happening with the weather, things can change pretty quickly. Pests develop rather fast. And so being able to get that vulnerable life stage for either uh, an insect or a disease is knowing then um, what's happening at that current time. So getting in as much as possible, um, given how much time you have, ideally once or twice a week. That sounds great. And I mean, in our orchard, I think every time we have stewardship, we just go, we have a look at the trees, see what's different. Absolutely. Check out stuff. I got to tell you, we've got a really nice email from Phil. Hello, I'm a new listener, says Phil. He's from Manitoba. Great show. Wonderful information, Phil. Thank you so much, (laughs) Phil. It's great to hear from you. So, okay. So you're out there, you're inspecting you. And and what kind of things would you be looking for? This once or twice twice a week visit to your apple tree. What what are you going to look for? Yeah, so it's really, you kind of have to start big picture and then really start to zone in. So like you said, a lot of times it is just really walking around and noticing the tree. So before you're really approaching and laying your hands on the tree, it's looking and just seeing how does it look? Is it drooping? Are the leaves changing color? Is there anything that's really stand out different from before? And And then you can kind of zone in a little bit more and figure that out. But just getting a big picture really helps to kind of start to just 
get the groundwork laid out for what you're dealing with. And then you slowly start to move in closer to the tree. So then you're starting to look at the leaves, top and bottom. That's the big thing because a lot of the pests hang out underneath the leaves. So you might not see them if you're just doing a general look. So it's slowly looking under the leaves. It's looking on the branches. It's getting in close personal with the tree and looking at the trunk and seeing what's happening there. As well as once the fruit starts to develop, then it's looking to see what sort of insects are going to be going after the fruit directly too. The other important thing is the base of the tree. Always, always, always look at the base of the tree. There's a lot that can happen right at the soil level that can really impact the rest of the tree. So if you start to see a tree is dropping or it's getting some browning leaves it's really easy to just say oh well it's this and hone in on those leaves but really what's happening is something that's much further down in the tree blocking that nutrient flow so it's getting the big picture thinking of the whole tree as a system in itself itself interesting and the word holistic jumped out at me Mm -hmm. like it's like holistic medicine your finger hurts this may be inflammation from somewhere else in your body absolutely same thing with the tree same thing with the tree and it's the health of the tree too right i i always like to say that it's just like how we would take care of ourselves is how we should take care of the trees right so if we keep ourselves healthy and we have our water, lots of water, we have nutritious food, uh, we get lots of sleep, we limit the numbers of stress in our life, then we're better able to fight off anything that might be coming at us externally in terms of infections. Trees are the exact same way. As long as we keep the health of the tree up, uh, then it's better able to defend if something should come in. Absolutely. I'm mm-hmm. seeing that big time this year mm-hmm. with aphids. As any any of you listeners, have you guys had some aphids on your trees this it's year? It's been a wicked year for aphids. Oh, my goodness. And they hit cherry trees uh, a lot, cherries mm-hmm. and apricots. Mm-hmm. So people call me a lot to say, oh, my God, look at my tree. Something's wrong. And I got to say, I'm very proud because in our orchard park, um, our trees did really well. They did Good. get the aphids, you know, a bit at the tips. Um, but they fought it off and awesome. they, the beneficial insects mm-hmm. fought it off. And mm-hmm. so because we care for our trees really, really well, we give them lots of love. We make sure they're irrigated. We make sure that they get, you know, good nutrition every year. And of course, they're correctly pruned every yes. year. Yeah. So um, I must say, is that bragging? I don't know. <laughs> I've just been bragging. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, okay. So tell me, with apple trees, are there some top integrated pest management secrets that you can share with us (laughs) and it's just we're going to keep it to ourselves it's me and you and the listeners and guys we're not telling anybody else right okay So I, well, I can't stress enough about um, having resources. So it's getting in um, and knowing what you're looking for. So I, I already plugged the, the Crop IPM, right? So Ontario.ca slash Crop IPM. One of the awesome things that are on there um, is actually a calendar of all of the typical pests that you'll see and when you'll see them so that you know when you're going in, okay, it's tight cluster. I need to start looking for aphids. I need to start looking under the leaves for that, you know, this sort of thing, right? Um, So that's a big thing is knowing what you're going to be looking for before you start looking. uh, So you're not caught off guard for anything. Also keeping in mind, There's going to be thousands of other things you're going to see on that tree. It doesn't mean it's a pest. There are very few pests and lots and lots of beneficials and lots and lots of other random visitors as well. So knowing the difference between a pest and a beneficial will help huge, um, as well as um, just, again, knowing um, when they're active and, uh, and when to expect certain things. So hand lens is key for looking at that stuff. Big secret. Um, flagging tape is also surprisingly my best friend because whenever you see something, it's nice to monitor and see what happens as the year progresses. So sticking up some flagging tape in that tree right at that area, say if there's a branch that's questionable or you want to see what's happening, say for instance, you found scale at that point, flag it so that you can come back. It's surprising when you look at something, when the buds are just starting to break, it's really easy to see. Come back in August and try and see once that foliage is nice, dense and lush, trying to find that same thing is next to impossible. I love that. And by the way, you call it flagging tape. If people, you know, if you don't have flagging tape, you can use a ribbon. You can use yeah, any sort of marker. And it's so interesting because often when I'm pruning and if there's something I'm not quite sure about, I've never really thought, I, I think to myself, I want to come back to that branch to see how it responded to this Mm -hmm, particular pruning mm -hmm. cut and what happens. And so really just that ribbon, a bit of yarn, whatever you've got 
to tie it on the branch to bring so it back to and it. bright color, mm-hmm, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice bright colors. Yeah. Okay, so those were a few tips. Hmm. Um. Let's see what else are good things to have. Um. Always have a pocket knife with you. Now, keep in mind if you start digging on the at the tree. You're going to hurt it. (laughs) But if you're seeing something, it's really good to get a closer look to it. So having that either a pocket knife or a pruner to be able to take that off. Know if you've got any sort of diagnostic labs around your area that you can submit things to. Or if you've got any sort of resource in the area that you could take samples to. Having collection vials with you to be able to sample any sort of insects if you need to bring them back. Um, Best thing, if you collect an insect either in a bag or in a vial and you want to ID them, they're pretty fast so stick them in your freezer when you get back home (laughs) don't tell your family members bring them back out in a couple minutes and they'll have slowed down and you can really get a good look at them to be able to really identify what it is that you're dealing with so you want to keep them alive I, I would like to keep them alive. That's, the, again, the thing with IPM, it's not about eradicating. It's about living with it, right? And so it's trying to find that level that you can keep them at so that um, anything more, and there could be significant impact on the yield, but you're still letting that population thrive and build. Now, we have an email. Again, I love, I love, my, I love our listeners. We've got great <laughs> listeners. So Jerry writes... Um, wow. Have you, have you answered my questions today? Amazing. Thanks. And he's from Orlando, Florida. Oh, nice. Thank you so much, Jerry. <laughs> so, okay. So these are really good. And this is a lot of uh, what I learned in the course with you that I really enjoyed. Now, um, in the States, they have a little bit different resources. Do you, can you talk a little bit about the difference if you're Canadian and if you're American, How, where would you reach out to? Yeah, so so in the States, then a lot of their state universities actually have extension specialists. Um, and so they're the ones, they're basically kind of my counterparts, right? So I work with government um, and we have a series of field specialists that work um in the fields actually with the growers. And so we provide a lot of that extension material uh, and work closely with the industry. Whereas in the States, a lot of their extension um, is is from universities or kind of um, uh, within arm's reach of university. That's kind of the difference. But we both have similarities in terms of there are a lot of private consultants. Uh, there are a lot of industry partners that do a lot of extension work as well. Um, so it depends on what region you're in in terms of where you can reach out to get them. So, so for instance, down uh, down in the States, then, um, you know, a, a really wonderful resources that I rely on heavily too, um, Michigan State University, Penn State University, Cornell, Washington State, Oregon State, they all have wonderful, wonderful extensionists that work there. Great. And check their websites Mm -hmm. and stuff. Okay. We've got an email from Janice. Hi, listening from Wilmington, Delaware. I love that you're discussing these issues in simple terms for lay growers like me. Very (laughs) interesting. Thank you so much, Janice. And I just want to say about that, that I think when I started writing about or, you know, learning about fruit trees myself, that was the challenge that mm-hmm. I came up with because a lot of the stuff was just written in this really complicated scientific way. And I don't want to be a scientist. I just want to grow fruit trees. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, and I think that that's been my challenge. That's why I wrote my book, Growing mm-hmm. Urban Orchards. And it was all about like, what is the minimum? that I have to do in order to keep my trees healthy and productive. Yes. The minimum. Just tell me in simple terms. Yeah. And so now for the, you know, then I created my e-learning course. And again, it's what is the minimum I need to do to keep mm-hmm. these healthy trees. But now with IPM, I'm getting really excited about taking it to the next step. Awesome. So, you know, it's just so much less scary if you do it one step at a time. Yes. And my friend says this about gardening in general. There is always so much to learn. There's always more to learn, and that's the good thing. Completely, yep, yeah. So in studio, 101 at gmail.com, we'd love to hear from you. I'm just wondering if you've had interesting experiences with extension services, with reaching out to master gardeners about fruit trees, and where have you found advice and information? Um, And I'd love to hear from you. In studio, 101 at gmail.com or 1-866-905-7325. So in the next part of the show, what are we going to talk about? We're going to continue talking about integrated pest uh, management, um, but we may also branch out into a few other types of trees. I already have a question on cherry trees that we'll (laughs) talk about. 
So I am so looking forward to uh, hearing your questions in the next segment. In the meantime, how about a few words from our sponsors? You're listening to the Urban Forestry Radio Show on Reality Radio 101. I'm Susan Poisner from OrchardPeople.com, and we'll be back after this short break. My name is Mike McNair, and I'm the manager of Universal Field Supplies. Universal Field Supplies specializes in products that are used by arborists. They're professional quality tools that uh, guys that use them every day need to rely on. So they tend to be higher quality than what's found in big box stores. The Universal Field Supplies product could be used by anybody that has trees and likes to look after trees. We've all been to school for forestry or arboriculture, and we have many years of experience. We would be happy to answer any questions people have and actually ask questions of them and find out exactly what their needs are and determine what product would suit them the best. Don't hesitate to call. Here's how to reach us. Call 1-800-387-4940 or email at info at ufsupplies.com. See you soon. Universal Field Supplies has stores in Mississauga, Ontario, and Port Coquitlam in British Columbia. Learn more at universalfieldsupplies.com. If you're thinking of planting fruit trees and you're looking for a wide selection of cultivars, consider Wiffle Tree Nursery. Our 62-page full-color catalog includes over 300 varieties of fruit and nut trees, berries, grapes, and other edible perennial plants. Not only that, in our catalog, we help you through the selection process with tips and advice about all aspects of growing fruit trees. You can learn about adding nitrogen-fixing plants, rootstock choices, and even about planting a windbreak if you have a windy site. We're a one-stop shop as we sell fruit tree care books, pruning tools, organic sprays, and natural fertilizers. We're located in Alora, Ontario, but we can ship all over Canada. Call us at 519-669-1349 to order your catalog. That's 519-669-1349. Whiffletree Nursery. Call us today. Hi, I'm Mark Cullen with some news about a wonderful lineup of garden supplies and garden tools that will absolutely knock your gardening socks off. They're called Mark's Choice, and they're exclusive to home hardware, 1,100 stores coast to coast to coast. Mark's Choice features great quality products that will not only last years, but in some cases will last a lifetime. Look for my various garden gloves, Stainless steel garden tools, stainless steel digging tools, my new garden backhoe, and many, many others. As a matter of fact, there's over 160 different products in the Mark's Choice lineup. I'd love you to try them all, but start by sampling one that appeals to you. Drop by your local home hardware, have a look at the Mark's Choice lineup of tools and garden supplies, including my line of garden soils, and decide for yourself. Great quality lasting quality, and a great gardening experience. That's what I strive for with Mark's Choice. Look for it at Home Hardware. Welcome back to the Urban Forestry Radio Show with your host, Susan Poisner right here on Reality Radio 101. To contact us live by telephone, dial 1-866-905-7325. Send us an email in studio101 at gmail.com. And now, right back to your host, Susan Poisner. I'm Susan Poisner, and you're listening to the Urban Forestry Radio Show, a program where we learn about fruit trees, food forests, permaculture, arboriculture, and lots more. Thanks so much for tuning in. 
In today's program, we've been talking about integrated pest management. Sounds very serious, but it's a great way to protect your trees, your fruit trees and plants from pest and disease problems. And my guest today is Christy Grig McGuffin, an IPM expert from the Ontario Ministry of Agriculture, Food and Rural Affairs. So thank you so much for coming to the studio today. Thank you. So, okay, so we've been talking about all sorts of really interesting stuff. I want to ask you a question Mm -hmm. because, uh, as I mentioned earlier in the show, it's been a really nasty year for aphids um, and various pests, at least in our region here Mm -hmm. in Ontario. And we've had, I've had many people reaching out to me um, saying, oh my God, my fruit tree, it's terrible. It's covered with these things. And they're telling me that their, their tree care people, I don't know if these are certified arborists or not, are offering them injections, hmm. injections that go into the tree. Right. Have you, that, that will somehow resolve all these pest problems. Have you heard of such a thing? So I've I've heard of um, injectable insecticides. So something like um, emerald ash borer, they do use that a lot. So the idea is to actually um, inject the insecticide into the tree, and this is something that's systemic. So in other words, that moves up through the tree, and it travels to all of the new growth. So it protects the tree from any insect that then starts feeding on it. Um, so in terms of aphid use uh, or aphid control in fruit trees, um, that I'm not aware of there being registered products for that. Um, what I do suggest those people that are being approached with that, um, a really great resource um, to check is Health Canada's uh, pesticide label search. So all you have to do, if you know the name of the product that they're talking about, pop it into that search, check the label for yourself and make sure that what's on there, the fruit tree that they're putting it in and the pest are both on that label because that is what is regulated within the country. Uh, So anything used off label is considered an illegal use of that product. Thank you so much for enlightening me on that one because <laughs> I Googled, I got the name in a sneaky way. I got in the name of the product okay. and I Googled it and I read the all the specs mm-hmm. of this product. Mm-hmm. Nowhere did it say did that it helped aphids yeah. and nowhere did it say that it helps uh, you know, um, cherry trees. I think it was a cherry tree. Okay, but it was like for edible cherries. Yeah, and and our types of aphids that we really deal with, and a lot of th- things like stone and palm fruit trees, the aphids, with the exception of something like woolly apple aphid, uh, where they're actually feeding on, say, the roots of the tree or or causing um, issues right in the cambium of the tree itself. Most are just feeding on the leaves and the fruit causing issues that way. Um, So having an injectable into the actual bark and wood of the tree, I'm not sure if it would have as much of an impact as as other control methods. So I'm to the listeners, guys, I've learned from experience, beware of the quick fix. Mm -hmm. Really, when your tree is sick, you need to start thinking, how have you been caring for Mm -hmm. the tree in years past? How can you start caring well for the tree so Mm -hmm. it can fight its own patch, so it can protect itself? And so think of the big picture and beware of the the quick fix because people just are like, hey, this tree produced since I bought the house Mm -hmm. and the fruit was great. But now it's not good and I'll pay whatever. I'll pay $400 for a quick fix of some poison that could poison other, you know, beneficial insects mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. other animals or your cat. Who yeah, knows? Yeah. Who yeah. knows? Do, it's, it's important to do research and uh, and to, yeah, to follow the tree along. I think, you know, you made a really good point of know the past, right? The history of your crop is so important. Then you know what you're dealing with each year. If you know that you've got problems with mites in this variety of tree, go back to that year after year. And that's going to be the point that you start your monitoring with, right? That's kind of going to be the baseline. So having the history is really important. Um, taking kind of that ownership in terms of, um, you know, you're, you're responsible for the tree year after year. And if you let that slide, the bugs aren't going to wait for you. Right. Exactly. <laughs> People, I think the problem is so many of us think that, you know, fruit trees can can take care of themselves mm-hmm. just like native trees right. can. Right. And so it is a different thing. Mm-hmm. We have a question here from Linda and it's um, she she says contest. Uh, that's the title. The book that you're talking about to be one. Where can we buy it? Thank you. And Linda's from Dallas, Texas. 
Um, so can you answer that question? Yeah, yeah. So that book is actually, it's available. If you go onto our website, Ontario.ca, and you search publications, you could actually Google uh, publication 310-310, and that's Integrated Pest Management for Apples, and it would take you directly to the site and give you all of the contact information. So you contact Service Ontario. It's either um, online or by phone, and you can order the book that way. Or you might just win it. Who knows, Linda? So there's a good (laughs) chance here um and we have let's see anthony has emailed us as well so hi susan and christy wonderful show i understand that we cannot eradicate pests totally from an orchard but i want to uh rid as many of them as possible so oh dear so how to deal with japanese Mm. beetles (laughs) in maryland we have a wonderful resource the university of maryland extension service that provides training workshops and online resources absolutely so anthony's writing from baltimore maryland thank you so much uh for writing in that's really good to know yeah and their extension service is definitely excellent okay japanese beetles yeah dreaded japanese beetle so um so the interesting thing what i have to say first with them um and again here it comes back to understanding the behavior and biology of the past so japanese beetle actually does two things. One, it emits an aggregation pheromone. So basically it's sending out a bat signal to all the other Japanese beetles in the area saying, I found this awesome spot, come and check it out. So that brings all the Japanese beetles to the area. The other thing is once they start feeding, it actually causes the plant to emit volatiles that say there's feeding happening here, which all the ones that didn't get those aggregation pheromone messages get the volatiles, brings even more in. So you get these congregations. So basically where there's one, there's going to be many. So Japanese beetle is best to get a handle on it ahead of time. <laughs> like so almost every pest, when but you yes, see them. Yeah. So now, uh, in terms of Anthony's question, that um, it depends, I guess, on the size of what you're dealing with. So if you just have one or two trees, best thing that you can do is actually go out, handpick them, put them in a bucket of soapy water. If you've got a larger orchard and you've got the labor to do it, that's also a really great method. There are other sort of um, chemical controls that can be used if you're a an actual um, certified grower uh, and you do have the pesticide license, then there are options. Japanese beetles are actually quite easy to knock down if you have the products available. If you are a homeowner, though, and you're not or you're not a licensed grower, it gets a little bit more difficult. So that's where you do have to put the labor into, as I said, doing the manual removal, um, pruning out areas. If you see them in large batches, the problem is that they fly really easily. So actually getting a hold of those suckers and getting them out is kind of the best thing. I do also want to bring up two Japanese beetle traps because they are commercially available and they can be actually very effective in terms of trapping beetles if they're done properly. Because the thing is, is that these traps use those aggregation pheromones. So if you put that right in your orchard, you're basically pulling in all of those beetles that wouldn't normally be there. Put it outside of the orchard. Put it away from the orchard and check it on a regular basis. So I apologize to any any listeners that are a little squeamish, but if you're not changing it on a regular basis, and I mean almost daily, if not more, depending on your pressures, what happens is that those new guys that come in, those new beetles that come in, will actually climb up the bodies of the ones that are already in there and crawl back out. So you're not doing anything in terms of trapping them. So put it outside of the orchard, away from those trees, and change it regularly, and you could potentially have some mass trapping of facts happening there so listeners in studio 101 at gmail.com we've got a little bit more time with christy so i'd love to hear more questions and thank you anthony anthony would you like to hear my secret maybe even christy can Ah, learn from my secret i know how to deal with japanese beetles so what you do is you catch them early on Mm -hmm. you have a bowl and you catch them in your garden Mm -hmm. and again this is between us right we're not going (laughs) to share this information you have your soapy water and you brush a few of the beetles into the water And you leave them there out in your garden so that all the other Japanese beetles can see what happened to their brethren. (laughs) If they come into your garden or into your orchard, they'll be like, oh, my gosh, she is vicious. We're not going to hang around her garden or orchard. So you can. Great idea. Yeah. Isn't that a good idea? Okay. Anyways, that's my secret. (laughs) So I have a couple of questions here I want to make sure I get to ask. I've got a question from Alan. I think Alan was from Toronto. My cherry tree got hit by, theme of today, by aphids earlier this summer. I ended up cutting the infected areas off and the problem declined. Awesome. 
good. Ironically, it didn't result in much of a problem since there were very few cherries this year. Mm. My issue with my tree is that when there is a good year for fruit, inevitably I don't get to harvest much before they all go moldy. What do I need to prevent this ongoing year after year problem? That must be super frustrating. Yeah. So, so I, I will do a shout out first to my colleague, Wendy McFadden-Smith. So she is actually our OMAFR specialist that works uh, with tender fruit. Um, and I'm sure that she would agree with me that says pictures are worth a thousand words. <laughs> Absolutely. So it's hard to diagnose completely what it is uh, without actually seeing. I would suggest going to Ontario Dossier backslash crop IPM. Uh, check out the tender fruit module. I would suggest heading to Brown Rot. Maybe check that out first. Get some information. See what the description is. Look at those pictures and see if that's what you're dealing with. Because I suspect that might be the issue. Um, it's a really common issue in stone fruit, especially in cherries. Um, it tends to be more common in a year when the cherries are kind of bunching together. So if you've got a good fruit crop and they're really, you know, there's a lot in that one area, then brown rot can really develop there. Um, so you can take a look at that and see one of the best things. I mean. What stands out to me is to saying that it's happening year after year, which means that the inoculum is there. It's not coming in. So what you need to do is get that inoculum out. So something like brown rot, um, it tends to, you. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the term mummies, fruit mummies. So it's basically shriveled fruit that stays on the, the tree into the fall and winter. So it doesn't actually drop off the tree. And that is an excellent source for disease pathogens to stay and overwinter. So things like brown rot, black rot of apples, bitter rot of apples, everything like that really tends to harbor within those fruit mummies. So getting those off the tree is key. Looking at the tree for any sign of cankers, removing those twigs, getting those cankers out. So you're trying to really reduce the inoculum that's there. If you see fruit that's rotting, that is just sporulating and going to cause more and more infection. Get those out. So harvest those as soon as you see. Monitor your trees. Watch what's going on. Get rid of any rotten fruit that's dropped on the ground. That's so amazing. Like so much of part of what I teach in my online course is just be meticulous. Absolutely. You know, keep the area around your tree clean. Yep, completely. Uh, so we've got Nan who's entering the contest and she says, cool. Regarding beetles, and I do not mean the band. Ha! Great information. Thank you, Nan. Oh, and her location is from Buffalo, yes. Buffalo, New York. Thank you, Nan, for writing in. <laughs> so let's see. Um, oh my goodness, where did this where did this hour go? <laughs> no kidding. I have no idea where the time went. Well, let's see. We have to do our contest. We have to see who won the contest, I suppose. I could talk to you forever. <laughs> oh, thank you. Gary has brought it. I would like you to do this. Okay. So Gary in the studio brought in all the names of the people who wrote in. I'm mixing them around. Can you guys hear that? Okay, they're all folded up. And now Christy is going to choose the winner right, who wins the book. And I'm so jealous. This beautiful, beautiful hand. Uh, oh, Anthony from Baltimore, Congrats, Maryland. Anthony. Oh, Anthony, you've won. So we are going to email you and uh, we're going to get your address so that we could send it all to you. Does that sound good? I hope so. So, Anthony, you are the winner of the book. Integrated Pest Management for Apples mm -hmm. and a Fabulous Little Magnifying Hand Lens. I'm Congrats. so jealous and congratulations. <laughs> I can't believe it. Time, time. Where does time go? Okay, well, I guess that's about it for today's show. It really is just about two minutes before the end of the show. Thanks, everybody, for participating and sending in your questions. Um, and it's been great, Christy, mm -hmm. to Thanks. have you in Thanks the Thanks so studio. much for having me. Maybe we can lure you back again sometime. Definitely. So um, that was IPM expert Christy Grigg McGuffin of the Ontario Ministry of Agriculture, Food and Rural Affairs with me right now in the studio. Okay, so the Urban Forestry Radio Show is just about over, and I really hope you enjoyed it. I have so much more to share with you on my website. So go to orchardpeople.com, and you can read the blogs. You can check out some free videos. I also have online fruit tree care training, and it's called Beginner Fruit Tree Care, but you can even be intermediate and learn quite a lot from it. And arborists take my course, gardeners and home growers. So also on my website, you can listen to archived episodes of this radio show and podcast, and you can see how much information we have on the show. Go to orchardpeople.com slash podcasts.
podcast. I think that's singular. You check it both ways. Now you can also have fun with the new app that is linked to this radio show. So take the quizzes and see how much you've been learning in each episode. So quiz app, the quiz app is called Tree Quiz. So you can download it at orchardpeople.com slash app, A-P-P. And tell me what you think about it. I'd love to know, is it worth it for me to continue to make these amazing little quizzes for you? You're listening to the Urban Forestry Radio Show. I'm Susan Poisner from the Fruit Tree Care Training website, orchardpeople.com. Thanks for tuning in. And I look forward to digging into a new fruit tree care topic with you guys next month. You've been listening to the Urban Forestry Radio Show on Reality Radio 101. To learn more about the show and to download the podcast where I cover lots more great topics, you can visit orchardpeople.com slash podcast. The show is broadcast live on the last Tuesday of every month. And each time I have great new guests talking to me about fruit trees, food forests, and arboriculture. If you're interested in learning more about growing your own fruit trees or just about living a more sustainable life, go to orchardpeople.com and sign up for my information-packed monthly newsletter. If you like this show, please do like our Orchard People Facebook page. You can also follow me on Twitter at at Urban Fruit Trees. Thank you so much for tuning in. It's been wonderful to have you as a listener, and I hope to see you again next time. Thank you for listening to the Urban Forestry Radio Show with your host, Susan Poisner, right here on Reality Radio 101.